It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. The Detroit Lions turned a 1-6 and six start into an 8-2 and two finish, leading to plenty of hype for 2023. Are the Lions postseason bound? It's Detroit Lions Day, and we're breaking them down from every angle today on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. You are Locked On NFL Scouting with the Draft Dudes, your daily podcast for NFL and college football scouting. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's better than this? It's guys being dudes here on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. We're the Draft Dudes. I'm Joe Marino from Locked On Bills. He's Kyle Krabs from Locked On Dolphins. And we are your NFL experts here with you daily to talk team building across the league on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We'd like to thank you for making Locked On NFL Scouting your first listen every day and a big welcome and shout out to our everydayers. You know who you are. Those of you who never miss a single episode, we appreciate y'all being here very, very much. Joe, happy national. I'm going to be honest. I don't have any fun, quirky things. Happy national. Uh, Joe gets to watch Ben Johnson day. Oh, yes. You're yes, on the yes. show. Celebrate that day quite often. I know this is uh, one of those soft spots in your heart. Uh, if, if you're not f- familiar with the Detroit Lions, and I imagine we get a, a good representation of Detroit Lions fans here with this being the show, but uh, offensive coordinator Ben Johnson uh, was Joe's main crush throughout probably the last half of the 2022 NFL regular season. Is that fair to say? Yeah. I just gained so much of an appreciation for what he was able to accomplish with Detroit. I mean, not not to like slight the Lions, but not necessarily loaded with offensive talent last year. And because of the offensive line, which had injuries in the middle of the, the middle of particularly, you know, this team was really good offensively, scored a lot of points, moved the ball a ton. I think a lot of that is credited to good play calling and a very, very dynamic, creative scheme. Well, what they did this offseason was try to add some new layers to what they did, obviously, on both sides of the football. They made some coaching staff changes midway through last year on the defensive side of the ball, and uh, you saw some results there. They've stockpiled a lot. Obviously, this draft class is such a dominating talking point with Detroit because of not only who they took and the positions that they took, but the volume of picks that they had on the first two days of this draft. And I think that kind of creates this invisible ceiling for this team right now because this entire grading process is committed to uh, putting players into buckets and quantifying you know, how good they are at, at certain groups and weighting that for positional value. But rookies, we have no NFL reps to, to gauge them on. So I do think Detroit, especially with the volume that they took with Laporta and Gibbs and Campbell and Branch, there's, there's a kind of a mystery bag component with how good this team can be. Uh, but I, I think there's certainly a lot of bones that we can pick through off of last year's film, and that's what we did 
and we're going to start on the offensive side of the ball. For those of you who are joining us on YouTube, you can find us on YouTube or you're listening to your podcast, by the way. Uh, we do have the depth chart up. And Joe, really good offensive line. The investments have paid off for Detroit. I think that's the first place you probably go when you look at the depth chart for Detroit on offense. Yeah, I really like the offensive line. Obviously, uh, we have two roster cornerstones on this O-line and Frank Ragnow and, and Penny Sewell. And I mean, both are just su- such bright young players, especially Sewell. You know, I think he's really very quickly found his ceiling. Um, dynamic physical talent can move, can, can move people. Um, he's going to be an absolute stud for a long time. And then Frank Ragnow, a really unique center with his size, his range, his power, um, an absolute stud there. But, you know, you have a stalwart in Daylor Decker at left tackle. Uh, Big V, he's been injured, but uh, when he's on the field, he's a solid starter. And, um, you know, Jonah Jackson may be the weakling of this offensive line. But, you know, when you play him between Ragnow and Decker, you know, that allows him to be the best version of himself. I like bringing back Graham Glasgow as a depth player, you know, that middle of the offensive line was stressed a lot with injuries last year. And I think him coming back um, to help stabilize the depth is, is a good move. Um, and so, yeah, I think this, this offense is about running the football. It's about moving bodies, a creative run scheme. And this offensive line is well-equipped to continue some of that success from last year, which is interesting because now we have a really remade running back situation here with Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery now in the fray. Right. You feel really good about, you know, you, you mentioned the injuries that they had and, and getting a chance to get all these guys back healthy, but then Graham Glasgow gives you, you should have a very high floor for what that group looks like. And, and uh, Penny Sewell has continued his evolution as a player where just overwhelming at times, isn't he? He, he is a tidal wave on, on that right side for them and, uh, only one of two right tackles to this point in time that we quantified as a roster cornerstone at right tackle, the other one being Lane Johnson. Uh, so th- there's some teams left that, that may have something to say about getting into that club before it's all said and done. But as of right now, that's uh, the stratosphere that Penn Sewell finds himself in. I know there's at least one NFC South team that will have a right tackle that will have something to say about a, uh, a cornerstone player. But um, – yeah, this is really feels like the engine for everything that they do offensively because when you look elsewhere, I think you have some questions about the skill group. And obviously, Jameer Gibbs and his versatility is going to be a big boost to this group. And Amon Ross St. Brown has been one of the most productive receivers in the NFL the last couple of years, but... How much of that is just the need for somebody to fill the void? Like, somebody's got to catch the football. And to Amon Ross St. Brown's credit, he's a really technically and technically refined and high football IQ player. And I think that allows him to kind of absorb that role. But I don't love... What else we had? Now, Laporta as a rookie is, again, a mystery bag. We, we don't know how that's going to assimilate early on, and usually tight ends, it takes a little bit of time. But I think be, this offensive line identity is critical for Detroit because you don't see a lot of one-on-one winners on the perimeter with this roster. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I think Jamison Williams can be that guy. I love Jamison Williams, but, I mean, coming off the ACL tear, wasn't really available last year, and – Facing a suspension, I'm hopeful that that gets reduced because uh, it seems like it was 
pretty ticky tack uh, based on some of the information that has come out about it. Um, but you know, him being the player that they drafted him to be being the player that I think he can be is the type of guy that can be a route winner that can be a separation guy on the perimeter and really unlock things even more for Amon Ross St. Brown and help Sam Laporte to step into this tight end role and then try to get some production out of some guys in Josh Reynolds and Marvin Jones, who, you know, we, we look at them as replacement level players. Um, but if you can have that lift in coverage that you get from a Jameson Williams, that's only going to benefit uh, what you can get out of Marvin Jones and Josh Reynolds. Kyle, let me ask you this. We know how important running the football is to the Detroit Lions. They made a pretty intentional swap here of DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams breaking Barry Sanders' record last year for rushing touchdowns. And now it's Gibbs and Montgomery. Do you like this group better than last year's group? Yes, I do. No, I I really like Jamal Williams. I understand and recognize that there's what will we say maybe a little bit of a, a glass ceiling for him as a primary back and I think David Montgomery is is probably a little bit more versatile as a player not necessarily that he's been a highly productive runner uh from an efficiency standpoint he is just a work a workhorse so they they have that same style of player um but DeAndre Swift the, just the light had not come on and I had no reason to believe that it was going to come on to so, so switch him out as the more dynamic of the two backs for a player like Gibbs, who's stylistically a little bit different and just say, Hey, you know, we, we are going to continue to come downhill at you and challenge you. And, and Montgomery uh, probably being your volume player, he's had at least 267 touches in three of his four NFL seasons in Chicago. Um, doesn't that but that annoys me like if you drafted Jameer Gibbs in the top 20 that's got to be your volume guy like that's got to be he's gonna get plenty of volume but I don't think he's gonna be a volume ball carrier okay touches you you got to get 250 touches a year out of Gibbs yeah I think that's your your optimistic forecast and look with the other receivers that are here outside of Amon Ross St. Brown, and we don't know how long they're going to be without Jamison Williams. We kind of have an idea unless it, it, that suspension has changed. There's plenty of touch to go around, right? Like who else are you going to feel obligated to, to feature in your offense? It's a, it's a fair point. I and mean, you kind of look at it, the conversations we've had about green Bay, like get the ball to, to Jones and Dylan, get the ball to Gibbs and Montgomery. And then of course you, you're, you know, you sprinkle in Jamison Williams and, and Armand Ross St. Brown. I mean, look, those guys can both push. I mean, St. Brown's going to be over 100 targets. Jamison Crow- or Jamison Williams, if he was healthy for the entire season, you like to think that he could push for 100 targets. Yeah, he, he that's just haven't heard a lot of great enthusiasm for that yet. And he's obviously had a rough go with coming out of the injury. His rookie season played in six games. One catch for 41 yards and a touchdown. Now it's a touchdown. His first one, his first catch, right? And he had a, he's, so he has two touches, and they both went for 40 yards. Okay, great. But you have two touches for to show for your rookie season, and now we're going to miss at least the first month probably of yeah, our probably. second season. It's just he's he almost counts for the rookie class for how little of impact that he had. But, again, you're going to be compromised with – getting into the flow of things, it's going to be year three at best before you are routine on schedule, yeah. getting into the swing of things and having 17 games to kind of build up your season. That's tough. Yeah. 
Fair to say there's question marks about the uh, the pass catchers and the real depth of, of what Jared Goff had, has at his disposal to throw the football to. We're going to get to Jared Goff later in today's yes. conversation. We're going to get yeah. to the defense next. But first, I need to tell you about FanDuel. Check it out, folks. It is the best place to get in on all the sports betting action. It's America's number one sports book. And you got to get there right now because new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, and there's so much that I love about betting over at FanDuel, they have uh, great promotions every single day. There's a safe, secure, and easy-to-use app. You get paid instantly. And the football's futures bets are really fun. Right now you can bet on win totals, over-unders for teams. You can bet on the awards. You can get in on some of the player props for rushing, receiving, passing yards. It's all over there. Of course, Major League Baseball is in full swing. So check it out. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So defensively for Detroit, uh, this was the unit that really struggled early last season. You know, they felt like they found their footing, as we mentioned in the the introduction. They made some coaching staff changes and a lot of youth on this side of the football. I mean, there's a lot of youth in general on on what Detroit has collected. But I get excited about some of the veteran additions. They they added two quality starters to their secondary that I think are going to be really, really good football players for them between Cameron Sutton and Chauncey Garner-Johnson. Um that one-two combo of Chauncey as a safety nickel play-in-the-box type and Cameron Sutton as a player who the last two years has had a lot of success on the perimeter for Pittsburgh, but counting when he first came in was perceived to be a nickel-type player. There's some versatility there with those two players, plus Brian Branch in the draft. and I, I just really like how Detroit can build upon it what felt like the momentum of Hutchinson playing the way that he did and Lee McNeil being a a sufficient-level starter on the inside for them and Kaminsky really emerging and some of the young linebackers. Now you get this infusion of quality starters, not even adequate starters, quality starters on the back end of this defense to go with a promising second-year player, Kirby Joseph. and Yeah, I like the vision. How quickly it materializes is, I think, the question that's going to help determine how close to their win ceiling Detroit can get this year. Yeah, I think that's a good place to start the conversation with Gardner Johnson and Sutton being nice additions to the secondary. Of course, Emmanuel Mosley as well. I think you just really elevate the floor of 
the corner position, especially based on the variability that existed last year, thinking about Jeff Akuda right. and Amani Orarie yeah. and like, holy crap, like, is this going to work? I don't have those questions right now with what they were able to add, not to mention Kirby Joseph and uh, man, the flashes that he showed last year. It looks like he could be an impact starting safety in the NFL. So we'll see how that plays out. But I think you got to also talk about this youth up front on this D line. Obviously, Aiden Hutchinson, the number two pick, I think very quickly showing us what he's capable of in the National Football League and uh, a type of guy that I think will be an absolute roster cornerstone for them in time and um, just embody everything that you want in one of your faces of your franchise. And so he's he's awesome. But how about like James Houston? And what what a great story that was last year. I think he had like 75 sacks and 100 snaps that he played last year that's a running joke here on draft dudes but he he was really productive when he got that opportunity later in the season and like looks like he could be a real uh part of what's happening with this defense john kaminsky what a year he had as a pressure player on this defensive line josh pascal was flashy as a rookie so there's a nice infusion of youth here on the edge not to mention you know you said aline mcneil i mean who knows if levi on is ever going to be a thing but you know, it's he was, it's you know what or get off the pot time. There. It's got to be right. I mean, he hasn't done anything in two years. Injuries has been a problem, but like he's a pretty gifted guy. If you go back to what he was at Washington, so I'm interested to see how this defensive line comes together. But there's a, a ton of young players here that I think have bright futures, especially uh, Hutchinson, Houston, and I, I'm I'm really high on Kaminsky as well, and I love him, and Lee McNeil. At the risk of upsetting some people Malcolm Rodriguez yes I think it's probably (laughs) worth acknowledging this player this player was such a courtesy of hard knocks right just a um almost cult not not cult folk legend Malcolm Rodriguez Rodrigo right plays hard man plays really hard and you love the effort, but I think as that season wore on last year, I think you do see some of the reasons why he was a lower-end draft pick. Now, can, can he be a starting linebacker for you? I, I think you'd ideally like to see him be a little bit more consistent before you definitively say yes. He's in an incomplete evaluation for us right now. But I think he is athletic enough to do it. Um. But to have a, they went out and got the total opposite player in Jack Campbell, didn't they? So to go out and get Campbell to foil with Malcolm Rodriguez and bringing back Alex Anzalone, I think Malcolm Rodriguez's floor is a quality depth option. I would not be surprised if his career ultimately ends up following very closely to his teammate, Jalen Reeves Maven. When it's all said and done, a very, very frequent special team staple for a team. He's he's an incomplete for us. I don't think, Joe, either of us gave any level of firm consideration of putting him into yellow or like Aiden Hutchinson as a rookie gets a quality starter label. I thought about it with Kirby Joseph. Yeah, I did too. Like he's really close. He was really close for me sticking the flag in the ground and saying like, yeah, I'm, I'm totally comfortable with who this player is. But Rodriguez being a late round guy who does have some physical limitations, 
and you saw the inconsistency, it's just worth acknowledging this player that had become such a popular player because of hard knocks and the way he played the game. But uh, I think we're both enthusiastic that this is a core special teams player at worst, and we'll, we're watching closely to see what the evolution looks like this year. Well, and I, I think the Detroit Lions told us a lot about Malcolm Rodriguez when they re-signed Alex Anzalone to a three-year $18 million deal and drafted yep. Jack Gamble in the first round. So, like, say what you want about him. These actions are pretty telling here um, when it comes to the linebacker situation. I'm really excited about Campbell, uh, one of my favorite prospects in last year's class. So was Brian Branch. So was Sam Laporta. So was Jameer Gibbs. Um, yeah, so they... I called it a fill-in-the-blanks draft for Detroit. I know that there's some criticism for not investing in a ton of premium positions, but um, I like how they filled in the blanks in their roster with some nice players here. I am concerned about this defensive tackle group. Um, I like Aline McNeil, and I, I don't know what else we have. I don't know what else we have outside of Aline McNeil. Um, and I know that John Kaminsky can reduce and play inside quite a bit. Um, and that's that's great for some situations, but I, I think more defensive tackle um, help is something that I look at on this roster and, and, and defensively and feel like I wish there was a little bit more. If you told me they went out and they got a defensive tackle and they they signed a wide receiver, I think it would go a very long way in pushing this team towards fulfilling some of the hype. Yeah. Well, being a playoff team this year. We're going to get into the hype. We're going to get into Jared Goff. And I have a question for everybody here right after a very quick break. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Does the question include me? Well, the question does include you, but I really want to drum up some engagement here on the YouTube channel. I have a question that I'm curious to get some feedback, especially because I know we should have a bunch of Lions fans listening to this episode. What are your expectations for week one against Kansas City? Like, what's the vibe? What's the pulse of Detroit right now? You are playing in that opening night game against the reigning Super Bowl champions. The league handpicked you, said, we want the Detroit Lions on this stage, the 8-2 and finish. What are your expectations for opening night against the Kansas City Chiefs? I want to read those YouTube comments, so fill them up. I'm glad it's not my team playing the Chiefs on opening night. <laughs> if you got to get the Chiefs, though, like isn't that probably as good a time as any, week one? Probably. Unless you know, the best time home. to get the Chiefs is in Germany when right. you're supposed to go to Arrowhead. That's, yeah, a home, that's home game you... in Germany is not a bad <laughs> That'd I'm not a bad draw to play the Chiefs. Sign up for that, right? <laughs> yeah, but um, I'm excited for that game. Obviously, there's they're, they're going to be tested. Um, a new defensive backfield. <laughs> Good luck. Right, right. You're. I mean, you're potentially you're going to have three, and your back seven, three maybe four new starters of your back seven. Here's your first test. Mosley. Andy Reid. Chauncey. <laughs> Sutton. Right. 
Campbell probably. Well, who's going to be the other linebacker with Anzalone? It'd, it'd be Campbell. Right. So you think four, yeah. four of the seven, right, are going to be new players in your back seven. Okay. Here we go. Here's, here's Andy Reid and so, Patrick Mahomes. Joe, we kind of glossed over it. Yeah. But we gave Jared Goff a quality starter label. We haven't given too many of those out. Right. As far as quality starters that we've assigned at the quarterback position, there's been cornerstones grades given to Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Dak Prescott, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, and Jalen Hurts. Jared Goff is our third quality starter that we have done to this point in time, and this is our – I'm going to – Risk doing the math real quick. This is our 22nd team. So we have te- 10 quarterbacks to go. We have three quality starters. Effectively, you're what? Middle class? Upper middle class? Upper middle class, yeah. It's Geno Smith with Seattle, Tuatonga Valoa last year with Miami, and Jared Goff. And I'll be honest, I'm looking at what else we have to cover. And you'll probably have one, two, two, two or three. Two or three tops. That gets into the stratosphere. And then you have Mac Jones and Russell Wilson currently, plus Andy Dalton as a backup right now, grading as adequate level starters based on what they put on the field last year. So Jared Goff has, uh, what, kind of... You seem surprised. That's the, Are you surprised? Is that your tone right now, that this is the world that we have Goff in? No. But I think a lot of quarterback discussion is becomes very binary. And I think there's probably a lot of non-Detroit fans who would be surprised to hear that. Good way to put it. Good, you're either elite or you you, you right. need to it's find like, a new or player. Right, or you can't right. play. You're wasting your time. Yeah. And I promise you, the Lions are not wasting their time with Jared Goff. And then it's the it's the discussion for Jared Goff too, where goes out there with the Rams' rookie season and has like all time bad numbers. It's like him and Steve Young are like what they did, and then to be able to come back from that. Yeah. And then he has the run that he does in Los Angeles. Where he what throws for forty six hundred yards consecutive seasons. They go to a Super Bowl. They get outclassed by Bill Belichick, and it's he becomes the the poster child for quarterback purgatory and quarterback middle class. And if you don't have a roster cornerstone, again, you're wasting your time. And kind of becomes the misfit toy that Sean McVay didn't want anymore, and gets thrown away and goes to Detroit. But Dan Campbell, and he had this quote like a couple weeks ago. He said, Derek Goff's a better quarterback now than he was in Los Angeles. Yeah, I love that quote. Talking about how we ask him to do a whole lot more, too. Yeah. And I I think there's a little bit of a, maybe I'm an old soul here. There's a little bit of the nostalgia factor, the pre-social media factor with Jared Goff that I love. That like, if you just give the guy a minute. Right, give him some time, let him learn the league. This guy was the first pick in the draft for a reason, and now you're seeing after getting the crash course of getting out of Pac-12 football, right, and getting into the NFL level and failing forward and learning multiple systems. You kind of get that education out of the way over a couple of years and. Suddenly, Jared Goff is an upper-middle-class NFL quarterback. You can do a whole lot worse than Jared Goff. A whole lot worse. 
And I think he's been in some, he's, he's, we just talked about it. Like he's very productive last year, 4,400 passing yards, 29 passing touchdowns, passer rating of 99, throwing the ball to Armin Ross St. Brown. Who else? And and Brock Wright and Josh Reynolds and Kaylee Raymond, like with a banged up middle three of your offensive line. Which was still an above average, was still a good unit. It's probably a top 12 unit from wire to wire last year, even with the injuries. But, like, why do we turn our nose up at, oh, that's fine, but he needs a good offensive line? Doesn't every quarterback? Is Yeah, isn't that the point? If you're going to chase the golden goose of you can put whatever you want around this player, you're never going to be satisfied. Right. It's a never-ending circle of of conversation. Like, I know that quarterback wins is like a very mod. Like I'm very sensitive to it, right? Like I, I know that they don't deserve everything, but he had an 0 and 7, 2016, a three and 10, 2021. He's had a winning record in every other season as a starter. It's been to Super Bowl. He's passed for over 4,000 yards. Like almost every season. There's teams that would kill for the production that Jared Goff's delivered in his career at quarterback. From an efficiency standpoint, I think you could probably make a case that last year was Jared Goff's best year as an NFL quarterback. Oh, no! from efficiency, there's no question. 261 yards a game. His sack rate was 3.8%. If that's not a testament to the kid that went out there and got sacked on 11% of his dropbacks his rookie season... Yeah, and learning, and understanding like all of the layers, and, and maybe I'm more sensitive to this too because like my personal football education the last couple of years has kind of gone through offensive football. Last year with Shanahan and, and the Dolphins hiring Mike McDaniel, and you really seek to learn and explore that, and you understand the nuances of it. And then this year with the Dolphins hiring Vic Fangio, I'm very defensive skewed in my off season and learning and. and exploring that side of the football and you understand the intricacies even better. And these are some of the the best and brightest minds. And you understand that's, that's across the whole league. This is happening. And imagine being a quarterback, you know, college football is a different language and, you know, for the Rams, from the Rams perspective, it took the league, what, two years to catch up to what McVay was doing with, that system and, and how they, they played with defensive, so much of the cover three stuff that's out there because they'd go condense sets and, and run crossers out of play action and really stress those uh, middle of the field defenders and how defenses would get you out of the zone system. Like it took two years and that was the two years in which Jared Goff went 11 and four and 13 and three and they made the deep postseason run. And to his credit, he makes the Pro Bowl in both of those two seasons, but if the league's not adjusting and catching up to what you're doing, it's not really forcing or facilitating you to grow. Well, now the league, there's some more answers here. They're, they're playing these systems differently. There's been film that's been put out. And I think you saw him go to Detroit and be forced to grow again. And now we have a better version of the same player who has been a, a seven year starter has started a hundred games in his NFL career. And I think it is, one of the better starting quarterbacks in the NFC. See it similarly. Detroit's going to ma- match the hype. They're going to meet it this year. They're going to the playoffs. They win the division, Kyle. 
Roster's better, right? I think we'd agree there. Yes, I think this is a better football team. I, I do think their young guys need to be ready to go. Yeah. If their young guys aren't ready to go, I do think that poses some challenges. Um, Look at their path in the division, though, man. How good's the Packers going to be? Vikings rebuilding in a lot of ways. The Bears, like... I, th- I think they have a very good chance to go 4-2 and two in the south. Or in the north, excuse me. Looking at the rest of their schedule. I'm going to read you the games in order. Okay, I'm just going to say the opponent. We'll do all 17 and then we'll de- give me a number. Chiefs, Seahawks, Falcons, Packers, Panthers, Bucks, Ravens, Raiders, Chargers, Bears, Packers, Saints, Bears, Broncos, Vikings, Cowboys, Vikings. Mm. I can get to 10 there. I think you can get to 10. I can get to 10. I think it's 9 or 10 again is is probably a forecast I'd feel comfortable with for Detroit. But also not as an extreme way to get to 9 wins. You don't go right. 1 and 6 and 8 and 2, you know? Yeah, we so. we'll probably be a little bit more balanced throughout the whole year. <laughs> yeah. And uh we hope you guys enjoyed our discussion. That's going to do it for us here on this episode of Locked On NFL Scouting. It's your teams every day here on the Locked On Network. I'm Kyle Krabs. He is Joe Marino. We are the Draft Dudes. Hit subscribe. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Make it a great rest of your Thursday. We'll be back again tomorrow to close this week with Joe. Remind me. The Raiders. We hope to see you then. Peace. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.